0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Glad to have you. I'm Pastor Cameron. And it's my pleasure and honor to minister uh, this morning uh, here today as we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is the conclusion of a series, a journey to Easter that we've been having. If you've partaked, partaken of it, you've been uh, coming to the small group meetings and as well as uh, hearing the sermons over the last number of weeks. And uh, each sermon was based on a single word theme. The first one was engaged that through Jesus, uh, God restores his original intent, the purpose that he created mankind is a people under his rule which whom he would dwell. And so through Christ, uh, God uh, brings a restoration and that we are to engage in community. And so throughout the whole study, uh, there was an emphasis on, on walking out this journey in community, in a relationship with one another, because that was God's original intent, to engage with us and for us to engage with one another. And then the notice, the second study, is learning to notice, to see God, Uh, as the core of our spiritual life that um, it's not just about uh, religious duties it's about a relationship with uh, with a god and to see him to notice him then yield where we follow jesus's example uh, who said not my will be done but uh, yours not my will not my will be done but thine be done uh, which is a powerful uh, testimony from his time in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that's what we're called to follow Christ in yielding our will to God's will. And then we talk about receiving, and that's uh, really the whole of Christianity. The message uh, of the Bible is a message of, 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 of the free gift that God gives. In fact, the entirety of the Christian life is one of receiving and coming into place that when we yield to God, we actually position position us to receive. And then there was a powerful message on lament. Um, Again, that's a biblical word for uh, 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 giving voice to your complaint and to uh, the suffering that you are enduring. But uh, uh, with the complaint, also a petition, a, a, a plea, Uh, and then the declaration of hope. And so biblical lament is not withdrawing from God, it's actually pressing into God. Uh, And then uh, uh, loss, to follow Jesus we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, Uh, we must lose our life in order to find it. And so uh, that was uh, just the recent one where we learned that following Christ does mean taking up our cross That is uh, an essential aspect of Christianity. And then that brings us to today, uh, Easter, and the celebration of the resurrection, uh, which is made new. Jesus' resurrection demonstrates his power over death. And the gospel applies to everyone, because guess what? Death applies to everyone, all right? Um, uh, We all face the... Uh, coming of the time uh, when it's going to be our funeral. And so this universal condition uh, of death uh, required a universal solution, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And so that gospel, the gospel of Jesus' conquering uh, uh, sin and death, really applies to every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. And the cross was not the end of Jesus, right? right. And that wasn't the end. Uh, it was a very important. Jesus could not have accomplished the resurrection if he hadn't bore the cross and was born on the cross and died on the cross. Um, and in the same way, the cross, carrying our cross and dying to ourselves, is not the end of a Christian. It is just the, the means by which we get to new life. So following Jesus uh, means carrying our cross, but it means walking in resurrection power. So we're going to look at the passage of Easter uh, where it's described in the book of Matthew and kind of talk through some of the points and how it applies to our lives today. And this is found in Matthew 28, verse 1-5. through It says, now after the Sabbath, and so the Sabbath was Saturday, it had ended, as the first day of the week began to dawn, and so this would have been Sunday morning and this is why the early Christians would gather on Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection, and that became the tradition of Christians. It's appropriate to celebrate and to worship and to pray and to gather any day of the week, Uh, but in memory, to commemorate the resurrection, we gather on Sunday. It's the day of worship for Christians. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold! There was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I kind of like that detail. He He sat on it. (laughs) His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Uh, Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to bring his disciples' word. So that statement, the angelic declaration, he is risen as he said, is like the gospel in a nutshell. He rose from the dead, but he did it as he said. If Jesus was able to rise from the dead, was able to conquer death itself, then we we can know that he is able to do everything else he said. That's why it's really important. As he said he he would rise from the dead, we can have confidence, because what else is more powerful than death? Nothing. And he was able to overcome death. And he did that as he said, and we have confidence, and we can have confidence in our hope that he's going to do everything else that he said. And one of the things he said is that he's going to raise us from the dead as well when he returns. So this is, gives us confidence because Christ rose from the dead. We can have confidence that when he returns, we will rise from the dead and we will spend eternity with him uh, 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 in the heavens and on earth. It says the angels told the women, "Come and see, and go and tell." That's the message of the resurrection. Come and see, go and tell. Everybody say, say, say. Come and see. Come and see. Go and tell. All right. <clears throat> so that's the message of the resurrection. That's the message of the angels from heaven. And listen, that's the message the world desperately needs to hear. All right. This is the means by which uh, uh, the the evil in the world, the darkness in the world, the oppression in the world uh, is overcome. Is come and see, uh, and go and tell. So, we know this story, uh, and sometimes it's easy to overlook the emotions and the uh, reality of the people that were living this story out. It's it's really happened. Okay? So, these women were going to the tomb to grieve, to mourn, uh, to lament. Uh, You know, uh, and uh, sometimes we may forget that, that to them, Their their hope was lost. They had literally invested everything, their very lives, into the message of Jesus Christ and uh, saw Him crucified and, 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 and tortured and buried. And here they had no hope. Their hope was lost and they had no direction. What now? I mean, they had dedicated their lives. Jesus was the Messiah, but then they saw the Messiah killed and then put into a tomb and when that stone was rolled over the door there's a very i'm sure they experienced that like this is this is done there's it, everything we hoped for everything we expected it didn't happen and so they were going to mourn and the disciples didn't even bother to come to the tomb they were hiding in fear So think of the the intense disappointment, the the fear, the lack of hope, the lack of direction. What what are we going to do now? And the grief that the one that they loved, that spoke only of love, that healed, and had so many words of promise, lay dead in the tomb. The resurrection when they showed up, an angel brilliant in light was sitting there, giving them joy and hope and confidence, and purpose. Wow, what a contrast. Hey, is that amazing? <clears throat> and I'm sure, that's what it says, they, they left with great fear and joy. It's like they were filled with so many uh, competing emotions that they didn't even know what was going on. And it says, uh, they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, same thing that the angel said. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me as well. This word rejoice is very important. It's the first word out of the risen uh, uh, Lord's mouth. And it's appropriate that the first thing he said was, hey, rejoice, be happy. It's, it's hard to contain a, one word. It doesn't uh, fulfill the the uh, fullness of, of what was being communicated there. It's like, re, we won! You know, cheers! Actually, it can be translated, cheers! Yahoo! Yay! Rejoice! Uh, and so Jesus was uh, meeting these women who were afraid. They were happy the angel told them something, but they were also still dealing with this, what's going on now? With the whole word of joy. Be joyful. <clears throat> and this was the beginning of the new age Uh, he had conquered sin he'd conquered satan uh, the battle was won and so jesus now was standing in the victory and even jesus just a few days earlier was in the garden mourning himself and then suffering on the cross and now he's won the battle and the triumph of that christ's first act uh, his first word was rejoice but his first thing he did in his resurrection was meet these women and um, the word, he met them, can actually be translated face to face. And so this was uh, another demonstration of the character of God in that he met Mary face to face. There was a personal, intimate encounter with uh, these women as they were walking down the road. And uh, uh, he cheered them on. All right? This is not the picture of a God distant uh, disconnected just declaring his victory this is the picture of a savior that's personal and met these women and gave them personal hope and in the same way jesus meets us personally face to face it's not good enough just to know facts about jesus's life All right? it's good to know the facts about jesus's life but you need to come to the place where you meet him as the resurrected lord where you see that he's no longer in the grave, that he's alive, and he speaks joy, all right? And so they met him face to face, and he didn't speak condemnation. He didn't say, you know, why why didn't you believe? He said, joy, rejoice, be happy. Uh, And Like the angels, Jesus commands them to go and tell, and so, uh, and with the promise that his disciples would see as well. Go and tell. I'll meet them in Galilee, and they'll see as well. Uh, there's a big significance to this scene, and I just want to give you kind of a theological background on why this uh, interaction is so vital to the story of the whole of Scripture. If you remember, <clears throat> the beginning of the story, way back in Genesis... When God created mankind, Adam and Eve, and placed them in the garden, it was Eve, the woman, who was deceived by Satan and enticed to eat uh, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was the entry point. That was the act that led to the fall of mankind because then Adam sinned and ate. uh, And all of mankind, uh, all of their descendants, have been entangled with sin and death from that point. And so uh, the woman being deceived by the devil was the entry point. <clears throat> Here, Jesus, the tree of life, offers the fruit of eternal life to a woman. Yay. Not just any woman, but a woman who is formerly possessed by the devil. He had cast out a demon from her earlier. And he entrusts her with the message of the resurrection he tells her and the other mary to go and tell the other disciples calling them his brothers so this is a complete reversal of the an overturning it is good it's a good it's 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 powerful it's an overturning of the strategy of satan to destroy mankind and so uh, this is vital for that we understand that what jesus did actually goes back to the very root cause of sin and the root cause of the fall of mankind. Uh, And he addresses that in order to unravel that entanglement of humanity with sin, with Satan, and with death. And and this, this demonstrates that Jesus is able and willing to do that and it also demonstrates a complete redemption of mankind and the, into the family of God. He calls them brethren. Go tell my brothers. You know, here's the resurrected Lord. He's telling a woman to go tell the brothers, hey, it's going to be all right. Christ's resurrection restores all who follow him into the proper, their proper relationship with God and with one another. All right? Because it was through sin and through the fall that uh, Adam and Eve's relationship was broken and, and, the, and the breakdown of all relationships it really is the result of sin and the breakdown of a relationship with, uh, between Adam and Eve and, and us and God was rooted in sin. And this resurrection power comes to restore our relationship with God and every broken relationship amongst mankind. And see, so the application of this truth It personally means that wherever the entry point is in your life, where uh, deception came in, or sin, or a demonic strategy, or confusion, or the breaking of relationship with God, with others, or, or even with yourself, whatever the entry point, maybe it was a sin that you were tempted into, and from that point you've been stuck on that and you can't overcome it. Or maybe it was a lie—the lie that you're not good enough, that you're not able to follow Christ, or you're not worthy. <clears throat> Whatever it may be, uh, maybe uh, you know a broken relationship that you think there is no hope. All right? Every one of us has a point, an entry point where we give in to the lies of the enemy, and Jesus comes to the entry point of sin and brings the power of redemption, the power of resurrection. And so whatever that entry point is in your life, you need to allow Jesus to show up there face to face. When you're in a place of despair, if he can show up there face to face and say rejoice. When you're, when you're in a place of temptation or even sin, the best thing you could do is say, Jesus, 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 come to me now. And he's willing. That's what he does. He steps in face to face and says rejoice i've overcome this follow me and when you follow him he'll lead you into restoration into freedom into light into hope into truth Uh, that's where jesus comes and intervenes with the truth and the revelation of the power of the resurrection To overcome any deception any uh entry point in our lives personally as in the same way that he did it with the whole of mankind we need to encounter the resurrected uh, jesus that's what easter really is all about we celebrate easter as the memorial of what happened two thousand years ago but let me tell you the real significance is that it continues to happen each and every day, when we encounter the risen Lord, when we allow Him into our lives and have that face to face interaction, and He uh, replaces our grief, repra- replaces our confusion, replaces our sin with His joy and His hope and His truth. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's uh, jump down <clears throat> a few verses in the story. Uh, In the record of this, in the book of Matthew, Matthew actually skips over a lot of the other things that happened that you can read about in Luke and um, Mark and John because there were other interactions that Jesus had with the disciples before the ascension. The ascension is when he rose uh, up into the heavens. But Matthew skips right to it, and, and I think that's on purpose, we have the story of Jesus meeting the women and telling them to go. And then, uh, then the next scene that we come on is the 11 disciples. They, so the women went and told the disciples. Uh, but then this actually happened almost 50 days later. Uh, um, uh, well, actually, I forget the exact number of days. The Pentecost was 50 days later. Uh, so this happened, the ascension, when Jesus rose from the dead. And... and, and uh, uh, Matthew writes, The eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. So he had told them a particular place uh, where he wanted to meet them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here we see that like the women who, when they saw Jesus on the road, the response of the disciples were to worship him. Uh, You know, worship is a natural, almost unstoppable response to seeing Jesus Christ. So I challenge you: If Jesus showed up this morning, physically, visibly, what do you think you'd do? Fall well, on your face. You, that's, thats worship, by the way. The Hebrew word for worship means to, to bow down. Uh, but we'd be—we'd have a rock and worship service, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jesus said that whenever you gather in my name, I am there in your midst. And so, but we can't see them with our natural eyes, can we? But is he here? See, I believe Jesus was telling the truth. he, he, He does what he says. He said he would rise from the dead. He rose from the dead. He said he would show up whenever we gather in his name. We're gathered in his name. Jesus is here. But we're not responding as though Jesus is here, are we? And I challenge you, you know, really believe it. Believe that Jesus is in the room. Believe that Jesus is in the room. Every time you pray, believe that Jesus is there because he is there. And don't be like Thomas who says, no, I'm going to wait until I see. Thomas got to see, but Jesus said, more blessed are those who will believe and not see. So I believe that Jesus is here in a way that's more real than I'm here because he's more real than I am. He's eternal. He'll never change. I change every day. (laughs) So Jesus is here, and the natural response is to worship. And so when we gather uh, to worship, or when you're alone worshiping, that's encountering Jesus in a very real way. But I love this verse because it points out something that's, uh, uh, I think, very significant. It says that some doubted. Some of the people on the mountain, some of his disciples... We're looking at Jesus, who they saw killed and buried, and now resurrected. And other people were worshipping but some people were like, they were doubting And I love this, because this, this to me is a perfect aspect of the gospel that says, no, this is not just sales pitch. This is not a myth. This is the pinnacle of the story. This is the end of the story. And Matthew writes, and he puts in this this little thing that some doubt, if you were just writing something to convince uh, somebody of a truth, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put this, that, that his closest followers still were struggling with doubt at the last minute, you know? But it's true, and that's why it's in Scripture, and it speaks to the truth of our experience. We don't know why they were doubting, right? And, uh, and it doesn't explain why they were doubting. Maybe they were doubting because it was not that long before that they were standing in the crowd and the whole of Jerusalem was celebrating Jesus' entry into the city. I mean, uh, the crowds on the street were, were laying down palm branches in their coats so that Jesus could ride on it as, as an exalted king entering into the city. And so they thought, man, this is it. This is the triumphant entry. And just within days, he was being beaten and killed and then in, in, in the grave. And so maybe they were like, okay, well, we've had good things happen before. <laughs> you know, uh, all right. <laughs> now what? You know, uh, maybe, maybe they were just overwhelmed. Like, they couldn't figure it out. Uh, they didn't know what to believe. How could this possibly be true? Right? And so they were like, I don't know if I can buy into this. There was some doubt, or maybe they doubted themselves. Listen, they had betrayed this Jesus that now stood before them just a few days or weeks before. They all ran away in his time of greatest need. Peter denied him three times out loud. And so maybe they were doubting themselves. We don't really know what they were doubting, but they were doubting. And I think this is important. The doubt amongst the disciples did not deter, did not prevent Jesus from giving the great commission. All right? Just because there's doubt in the room doesn't mean he doesn't say give them the commission, give them a purpose, give them a a thing to do, give them a place, Uh, come and see, go and tell. All right? The scene here, I think, sums up the essence of Christianity, the essence of the church, the, the essence of the life of a Christ follower. Jesus is present. I believe he's present here. Worship is there, because when people encounter Jesus, you're going to worship. But you know what? There's lingering doubt. And that doesn't make it uh, illegitimate. It actually legitimizes. Okay, this is, just, this is biblical Christianity. Some here may be doubting. Themselves. Some here may be doubting. Is it true? Is it possible that Jesus' death could cleanse me of my sin? How does that work? How can I get eternal reward because of his suffering? So I don't need to understand it to believe it. I don't understand it. I've been studying this for decades. I don't understand it. But I know I believe it because I've encountered Jesus. All right? And in the midst of all of that going on, Jesus gives the call. Go and tell. All right, Come and see, like the angel said. Come and check out the empty tomb. Uh, and, and go tell the disciples that they're going to see as well. Uh, come and see. Check out the testimony of those who saw Jesus from the record of history. All right, All of the examples of radical life change in, in scriptures. But more than that, the testimony of people who have experienced Jesus for the last 2,000 years. Come and see. Check out the evidence of the resurrection because Jesus rising from the grave changes lives to people who encounter him. Amen? Amen. Changed my life. So I get the opportunity to speak to someone in first service who who just a few weeks ago experienced Jesus in a, in a way that she'd never experienced before and her life was Totally changed and she's like I can't even describe it it's it's so it's it's, it's I'm a different person I mean how exciting is that all right <clears throat> come and see examine the testimony of others examine the proof of the empty tomb uh, the evidence of his resurrection and then go and tell communicate what you've seen to others allowing them to see as well this gives us purpose this gives us direction This gives us a target to aim for and a reason to live. It's Jesus' authority, uh, not our own, that empowers our faith and our commission to tell others. So even if, you know, you, you don't have to be the perfect Christian. Who's the perfect Christian? Nobody in the room, all right? Only Jesus. You don't even have to be without doubt, all right? You can still have you can have struggles. You can have places where, how can I believe for a victory in this area? Uh, uh, You can have that lingering while while still worshiping, all right. And you can have that lingering while still telling. And actually, I've found there's nothing more encouraging for my faith than seeing someone else experience Jesus, and it renews that. The experience that I had when I first encountered Jesus, when it, when it didn't, when it wasn't just stories I heard as children, a child, but it was a person I encountered as an adult, and I made a commitment. And so, telling others is the way that we worship. Telling others is the way that we respond to uh, the Great Commission. So, what do we tell? What do we say <clears throat> to those? Uh, that we are commissioned uh, to speak to? Well, first of all, Jesus is Lord. All authority in heaven and earth uh, has been granted to me, Jesus said. And so the lordship of Jesus Christ is part of the message that we are to uh, communicate. And um, the resurrection was a demonstration of Jesus' lordship over sin, over Satan, over death itself. And his lordship is that he has all authority on heaven and earth and that he will return. And so uh, uh, compelling people to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord, as their Savior. And us, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord. You know, Lord is not a word we use in, the, in our uh, uh, our, our society uh, it's not a common word and so it doesn't make a lot of sense you know uh, if you're communicating it means that he's the boss it means that we submit our lives to him it means that we obey who uh, what he tells us uh, to do how he tells us we we follow him all right and he is the one who has final say in our lives does that mean we don't struggle with things no but it means that we take our struggles to him. Lord also means provider. Okay? Uh, and so a bread giver is actually one of the ways you can translate it. The one who gives us sustenance. And so we celebrated communion that demonstrates the spiritual sustenance that Christ gives us uh, in his own body and blood for spiritual freedom. But you know, recognizing that all that we have comes from God above. And and being grateful, going back to the receiving aspect of what we talked about in the in the journey to Easter, and so Jesus Christ is Lord. If there's an issue in your life that you're that you're living that is contrary to His character, to His will, or to His word, that means you need to submit that aspect of your life to His lordship, and stop doing it your way and yield your will to His and follow him uh, we need to tell uh, others to make disciples as we make disciples all right i really believe this uh, um, uh, uh, compelling people to become a follower of jesus christ but then understanding that every follower of christ needs to be a leader of others because christ is a leader and so if you're following christ if you're patterning yourself after christ then you should be leading someone else by your example by your testimony by your prayers, uh, find a way to communicate. To go and tell, come and see. Go and tell, <laughs> baptizing them, overwhelming. That the word "baptize" again not a common name, a word that we use in our language, but it means to overwhelm or to submerge. Uh, um, actually, uh, I looked up one um, uh, dictionary, described it as as standing uh in in, on the shore and having a giant wave come and overwhelm you all right yeah isn't that great and uh you know i've had that happen when i was younger in the ocean and you know you don't know which way is up (laughs) and it's a little scary it's overwhelming and that's the picture that we are to call to overwhelm people baptize them in the father son and the holy spirit and i think that means much more than just the ceremony or the 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 sacrament of baptizing i believe in baptism there's power in baptism when someone comes to the lord we immerse them in water uh, combined with faith i believe there's a transaction there that happens but this is really means more than that because we're to baptize them in the name of the Father. and In the Father, it means in all that the Father is, in all that the Son is, in all that the Holy Spirit is. So it's, it's really immersing them in a relationship with the Father. Immerse them in a relationship with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. So God is calling you to that, right? Because we are recipients of this great commission. But once you receive it, now you're, you're commissioned, uh, tag, you're it. <clears throat> Go out and tell somebody else, lead someone else into that. Salvation is not merely an escape from hell, it's an invitation into a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then to observe all that I've commanded you, live Christ-like in every way. Uh, and uh, if you're like me, that means that we keep finding out new ways that we have to live like Christ. It's not one time and done, you know. I wish that was the case. I get saved and now I'm living uh, uh, fault free, sin free. I'm just a, well, I am kind of perfect, aren't I, Kathy? <laughs> I am Mr. Right. I was born right. I'll die right. But doesn't mean I'm always right. <laughs> so we learn how to follow Christ day in and day out. And you know what? When we come across something that is contrary to His character, we learn how to repent, and we learn how to follow, and we, we learn how to have joy. And, and so we teach we, uh, people to observe as well as lead them by example. And the final point is, Jesus says his last words before he ascends up into heaven, says, I am with you always. You know, one of the most uh, uh, crushing experiences or feelings, emotions that people have is being alone. Uh, and I, uh, <clears throat> uh, often people are struggling with Uh, despair with depression uh, is that they just feel so alone and no one can you know they may have other people in their lives but no one understands what they're going through and that's a reality of life isn't it even even when i'm I'm generally a happy uh stable person (laughs) but uh, i go through times where it's like no one understands uh i'm alone and some people just are are stuck there uh, for long periods of time and the the truth is you're never alone you're never alone i will be with you always jesus said that to the disciples but he said it to each one and you're a disciple if you've accepted jesus's call if you're following jesus jesus wants to know you're never alone there's never a moment in your life where you're alone he's always there in the midst of whatever you're walking through in the heights of the joys of life and the in the depths of despair Jesus is there, I'm I'm gonna be with you. He's gonna be with you, he's with us, he's with me. Every moment of every day, we don't have to fear being alone, He's, he's right there. In fact, he actually says he lives in us. And so that's the hope that we face life with.